this is a frigid Paul Mackey with the One Idget's Thoughts on podcast. Now, I'm a lifelong Minnesotan, and I'm nine years a Duluthian as well, so don't take this as a complaint, but it is significantly colder out there right now than it had been for quite a while. I'm not complaining because this is normal, and after the rain on Christmas and brown New Year, normal is actually pretty good. The weather, according to my phone at time of recording, is... Four degrees below zero with a feels like of 16 degrees below zero, and that is indeed Fahrenheit. So I'm going to stay warm while looking at California in The Rockford Files Season 1, Episode 12, Profit and Loss Part 1, Profit. Originally aired December 20th, 1974. Uh, The brief summary of this episode is, A man comes to see Rockford, reluctant to tell Jim anything more about his case, and before he could say much more than wanting to hire Rockford as a go-between with certain federal agencies, two men bust in the door, assault Rockford, and kidnap the man. Later, at Rocky's insistence, he calls in the assault and kidnapping to the police. The next day, the man's wife, June Morris, comes asking where her husband, Alec Morris, was. Despite her pleas to stop, he calls the police again to report the additional information about the kidnapped victim's name, saying it would be a felony to withhold it. But soon afterward, the police arrest him. They accuse Jim of making a false report, saying they are going to follow through on jail time because of Rockford's prior record. Alec and June Morris enter, professing to know nothing about what Rockford was reporting. There is something going on at Alec Morris's workplace fiscal dynamics where he works as a computer programmer. There's a major merger coming up, and they don't want Rockford spilling the beans. But Rockford wants to prove at least that his police report was valid, to avoid the threatened jail time. Another woman, Doris Parker, thinks the company murdered her husband, and wants Rockford to work on that case, along with trying to prove his own innocence. By the end of the episode, Doris and Jim work to investigate the suspicious death of a printer who did print work for Fiscal Dynamics by breaking into the print shop crime machine when the alarm goes off with Jim caught inside. This is Jim Rockford. At the tone, leave your name and message. I'll get back to you. Hey, Jimmy. This here's Tina Scarrett. Remember me? From the Army. I'm stuck here in town. How about I come over and bunk with you, buddy? All right, who is? Well, we're not going to do the late Michael Lerner, as he already played the doctor in the pilot. And he's playing someone else entirely in this episode. So we are going to look at Val Bisolio. Val Bisolio played Carl the Printer, and since they killed Carl in this episode, I figured that I could save Ned Beatty for the second part. I'm sure he's in it. Val was born in New York, New York in 1926 and began his performing career off-Broadway in 1964. Then he appeared as Sergeant Carlino in the Broadway production of Wait Until Dark opposite Lee Remick and Robert Duvall in 1966. On television, he did a number of one-shot appearances on TV shows both dramatic and comedic, like Love American Style, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, All in the Family, Bonanza, Kojak, and Kolchak the Night Stalker, leading up to his appearance on The Rockford Files. Following this, he was prominent as the father to Travolta's Tony Monero in Saturday Night Fever, and was a recurring character Danny Tovo on Quincy M.D. He continued work mostly in single appearances on shows like B.J. and the Bear, Galactica 1980, The Fall Guy, Hill Street Blues, and Miami Vice. His final television gig was a three-episode run of The Sopranos in the role of Murph Lupo. 
Falbasolio passed away at age 95 in 2021. All right, totally 70s. I really liked the vintage technology in the offices of Fiscal Dynamics. I couldn't quite tell if it was a television props mock-up or an actual terminal, but from my limited research, it looked like a NASDAQ terminal that would have been authentic at the time made by a company called Bunker Ramo. I also liked that they spent a fair amount of time examining ticker tapes, which I believe were used as a cliché in the episode. Wikipedia says ticker tapes were generally obsolete by the mid-60s, but I figure the TV audience saw the ticker tapes in use as a visual shorthand for stock trading alongside that computer terminal. Artifactoids. I spotted an international paper box at the print shop, but didn't really find much interesting about the company. I'd imagine most of these things so far as a bit of set dressing and not as a paid appearance. Similarly, I don't imagine Insincorator paid to have their broken garbage disposal featured in the episode, though it's clearly the brand involved. Insincorator was the first in-sync waste disposal originally developed in Racine, Wisconsin in 1927 by an architect named John Hams. His Insincorator company was purchased by Emerson Electric in 1968. Much later on in 2006, Emerson sued NBC for a scene in the pilot episode of Heroes in which Claire reaches into an operating Insincorator and severely injures her hand. Emerson wanted to block reruns of the pilot and bar NBC from showing Emerson products in the future, but eventually the case was settled out of court. I imagine no one was paying attention to these things in 1974, and like I've said before, it's possible on a 19-inch standard deaf broadcast set that the brand name might have even been hard to see. And after all, the episode states that Rocky clogged it, and also demonstrated not putting in your hand, and a separate tool to probe, and even the reset button, which I suggested before Alec did in the episode. Emerson did eventually sell the Insincorator product line to Whirlpool in 2022. So in this story, what worked? I think that it worked really well as a part of a longer story, and I enjoyed that the show was able to take the time to put all of the layers of the mystery out there and not have to tie it all back up during the course of a single TV hour. What didn't work? Well, the insincorator for one thing. Uh, the, the cliffhanger felt just a little too abrupt. Obviously, they need to have a cut point between two episodes, so I'm not giving them too hard a time over it. I also have to say I'm expecting to find out after all is said and done that the individual episode titles don't have a lot to do with the content. There is passing mention of profit, but I wouldn't call it a key part of the plot of this episode necessarily. Next time is Season 1, Episode 13, Profit and Loss, Part 2, Loss. Happy hunting! You've been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts On podcast produced by Paul Mackey in association with Nimlas Studios. Any short clips of audio from shows is included under fair use for commentary purposes and copyright for that content remains with its original copyright holders. The theme song is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by his generous permission. One Idget's Thoughts is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. You can find more episodes of this podcast and many other fine podcasts at nimlas.org. You can contact me by emailing idgetcastpodcast at gmail.com or commenting on episodes at nimlas.org.
So just how paranoid was Carl the printer about his information? Alarms on the doors and windows, sure, but the file drawers, too? 